right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Fundamentally Sound Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Reeves from Barstool Sports. Uh, we're recording here on Sunday night uh, about 9 o'clock uh, as we are currently watching some of the Horizon League as Oakland and Uwe Pui are in a one-point battle. Um, that conference tournament's absolutely off the rails as it is every year with Northern Kentucky losing as the one seed uh, yesterday to Cleveland State. Um so it's been hectic, but we got a big show tonight. Uh, I am joined by Xavier assistant coach Travis Steele to talk about uh, life in the Big East, winning a Big East uh, regular season for the first time, uh, recruiting Trayvon Blewett, and uh, kind of the improvement of um, guys like Najee Marshall and Quentin Gooden throughout the year. Uh, along with that, we kind of talk about the Big East as a whole, what makes Villanova so good, um, how the coaching staff goes about uh, scouting for the NCAA tournament, the Big East tournament, and, and if rotations change or anything like that. It's, it's a really good interview. And then after that, I'm joined by Fran Fraschilla of ESPN uh, as we kind of talk about the Big 12 and preview the Big 12 tournament. Uh, Fran will be actually on his way up to Detroit uh, as we recorded this for the Horizon League uh, tournament. Then he heads down to uh, Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament where he will be on the call. Um, so we talk about, you know, Trey Young and, and who is the real Trey Young is what we saw the first couple months of the season, or is it who we've seen the last, you know, five weeks? Uh, we talk about West Virginia and just who the hell are they? Uh, because sometimes they look like a top 10 team. Sometimes they look like a, uh, team that's going to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament and kind of figure them out. Uh, and then we get into Keenan Evans and Chris Beard and what Texas Tech is doing before getting into some talk about the big 12 tournament. But, you know, overall it's a, a really good show, but. More importantly, this episode is brought to you by 199. Um, you can check them out at 19 and then spell out nine.com. Uh, they are an awesome, awesome outfit for a bunch of retro college gear from shorts, t shirts, sweatshirts. I mean, everything from, uh, you know, Wake Forest and Xavier and St. John's and Purdue. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And on top of that, uh, if you go and you like anything, when you check out, put in fundamentals, uh, plural, fundamentals at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off, uh, and, and we're running that. So, I, you know, I have three pairs of shorts for them. I have the Wake Forest uh, Randolph Childress era shorts because if you know me, you know my affinity for Randolph Childress. Uh, I have Butler shorts and the Indiana State shorts, and they are awesome. They're they're replicas. They're comfortable. Wear them all the time. So, again, go to one nine. And then spell out nine.com. Again, 19nine.com. Uh, and then put in fundamentals at checkout for 10% off. Uh, and like I said, we have a big show here. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into um, uh, conference tournaments throughout the week. I, I'm going to do I decided to split it up. I was originally going to do just one big episode. Uh, but we'll do this one with the Big East, Big 12. And then I'll have uh, SEC. And some Pac-12 talk for you later in the week, and we'll get in some ACC talk at some point. Uh, but you know, as always, this is presented by CLNS Media, and like I said, we have Fran Fraschilla and Travis Steele, and we'll get started with Travis Steele, Xavier's assistant coach. And now I am welcomed on by Xavier assistant coach Travis Steele. Travis, pretty good 24 hours for you, I'm imagining. How you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I'm uh, thrilled, obviously, for our uh, for our seniors. You know, to go out the right way to get the the Big East championship outright regular season, and that's what we've been talking about with our guys since you know we celebrated um, cutting down the nets here. Um, you know, a few days before, um, 
we didn't want to we didn't want to share it with anybody. <laughs> you know, I think our guys knew they wanted to uh, to own it outright, and uh, we got it done up at DePaul. Yeah, how tough was that to to have that celebration? You're you know you you get it at home, which is always a nice feeling. Okay, you know we're walking away with at least a share, and then have to turn around two days later and you're playing. You know, DePaul, who's obviously at, at the bottom of the Big East standings, but it's, you know, they've, they've shown they can win and compete game in and game out. How tough is it to get the kids ready and, and as a coaching staff to get ready from, all right, well, we got to, we got to share, we got the celebration, but we still have one more to go. You know, as a staff, we kind of went back and forth whether to actually celebrate it, um, you know, when we did. And, and uh, you know, we decided, hey, you know, this is a, this is a, this would be a memory that our guys would, would have for them for the rest of their lives. Right. And, and that's why we decided to do it. And, you know, we kind of explained it to our guys. You know, we think we have a mature group. You know, Sean O'Mara, Trayvon Blewett, and J.P. McCure, obviously, and this is their fourth year here at Xavier. And I think their leadership uh, was really good um, in between games leading up to DePaul. You know, we, uh, I thought our guys were sharp with their preparation. Um, you know, those guys, like I said, didn't want to share it with anybody. <laughs> um, this has been a goal um, of ours, you know, since we recruited those guys. And, uh, you know, we thought that was a really important class for us and in the 2014 class, and we thought that was going to give us a chance, hopefully, to, to be able to cut down some nets at some point as Big East champs. And, and to make that a reality, man, was, was awesome. But I was really proud of the leadership of our guys from our seniors. Yeah, one of those guys, Trayvon Blewett, was someone that you were, um, I believe, the, the head recruit on when, when you were, you know, going through the scouting everything on that with him. What did you see? Like, did you obviously when you when you watched him, you want him to come to the program? But did you expect him to turn into this? You know, arguably the best player in the program, and you know, second leading scorer, everything along those lines. Uh, you know, I, I think an All American, you know, first team All American this year. Did you? Did, were, were those the expectations, or has he kind of blown you guys even out of the water a little bit over the last year or two? You know, I, I've known Trayvon since he was little, and, and I, you know, Trey. He was always a kid that was a little bit overweight, even when he was younger, even when he was in fifth and sixth grade. Right. You know, but he had an amazing skill set. You know, he could always really shoot the ball. And you know, my expectations kind of going into it were I thought he could have a chance um, to be the face of our program. Um, that's what we sold him on. Um, you know, we, we said, hey, you could do something that nobody else has done at our program. You know, take this place to a Final Four. Take this place to a national championship level. Win a Big East title. Uh, when we recruited him, that's what we sold him on. And I think the vision that, that Coach Mack and, and, and our staff, you know, gave him, um, he really liked. You know, he liked the development plan that we gave him, what we were going to do with his body, which Matt Jennings is our strength coach. He's done an amazing job with him. And Trayvon, I give himself a lot of credit, man. He, he is an absolute gym rat. Um, he, you know, he when he first got here, he was just, I, I, I would say, a shooter. You know, he only shot 32% from three as a freshman. I think the speed of the game and his level of athleticism was a little bit behind. His body was, wasn't where it needed to be. And I think it was a little eye-opening for Trayvon. And so he figured out, hey, I got to watch what I eat. I got I to gotta do extra conditioning with Jennings. This is a punishment. This is part of development for me. Um, and then he had to figure out, you know, how to become a better player in pick and rolls, how to become a better finisher around the rim, even though he's maybe not a great athlete. You know, be able to use his mind and IQ rather than just using raw athleticism to be able to create shots. And and he's done all that. You know, I give him all, all the credit in the world. But, you know, he was a he was a top 35 player in the country when he was kind of coming out of high school by most um, people. You know, but we saw a guy that could be an all-league guy, 
be an impact freshman guy, which he was. And uh, I'm really happy for him because I know he's put a lot of work in. He sacrificed a lot to get to this point. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned is, is Salomon winning the Big East. You guys obviously got that kind of hurdle out of the way. as as you, You've been around, obviously, with the program for a while now where it's been consistent, and then you just keep taking little humps. Okay, Sweet 16, Elite 8. Now you won the Big East title, and the first team not named Nova to win the, the Big East regular <laughs> season title. How, is that going to, you know, do you think that that helped now going into the next recruiting cycle or maybe two re- recruiting cycles from now going, hey, look what we did with this group. We're, you know, we're now a contender. Does adding that add to how you can recruit kids? I think so, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because we've always told our guys, you know, Villanova's been the standard in our league. They have. Right. And when we go out and watch kids now, it's like, hey, can 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 you know such and such prospect can they help us beat Villanova? You know, that, that's the question we have to ask ourselves when we go out and evaluate guys. And if, if the answer is yes, then we want to get them in our <laughs> part of our program. But I think you know, selling that, hey, you have a chance because our, our, we always tell our guys, if you have a, if you can win the Big East title, then you have a chance to win the national title, and that's been proven with what Villanova's done. And you know, so you know, for our guys. You know, I think that gives our guys confidence, and then I, I think it does. It takes our recruiting to another level. You know, it's just that exposure and, and what we've been able to accomplish. What makes Villanova so good? Because they always seem, you know, it, 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 this year it's been you guys and them. The last couple of years it seems like you, you know, Xavier and Nova has been kind of the, the top two consistently within the Big East, you know, since the, the relaunch or however you want to reclassification, however you want to describe it. What makes them so consistent, just so tough to beat? You know, I think number one, you know, they, 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 they have they play with an incredible amount of toughness. And they play so together. They really do. And I you know, Jay Wright does a phenomenal job of getting those guys to buy in and be unselfish. Um, they share the ball so well. They have so many guys that can always shoot it. You know, all Jay's teams have had that. Uh, you know, this year they can shoot it at five spots. Yeah. It's not even uh, most teams can shoot at four or three. You know, they can shoot at five, but you know they they play really hard. They give they give great effort. They play really well together, and they got good talent. You know, like you know Jalen Brunson was obviously McDonald's All American. I think I believe Amari Spellman was as well. Um, but they've gotten guys that fit their culture, and uh, and fit the Big East basketball. Now, obviously, the Big East. I think people you, know, you hear all the time about the old Big East, and I think that's just a lot of old heads trying to. Uh, avoid the conversation of what college basketball is now and how it's driven by conference realignment. But the new Big East, I, I, I think it's been awesome because you're still playing around, Robin. You guys have had a bunch of success as a conference. Is this the best year of the Big East since since you guys have been in it? Because it seems like now the you know DePaul, yeah, they're not winning games, but they're competing more. Georgetown competing, you know, they're winning more games or at least competing more. Has this been the best year for it so far? I think top to bottom, it's, it's like you said, it's it's really good. You got Georgetown, who I think is, is, can beat anybody. You know, St. John's can beat anybody. Should yeah. they beat Duke, Duke in the uh, one of the non-conference games, and they're towards kind of the bottom of our league in the league standings. Um, you know, I I think you know there's so many good coaches in our league, um, and there's, <laughs> there's tremendous players, good coaches, good recruiters. There's a lot of really good players in our league. Um, you look at Mikel Bridges, you look at Jalen Brunson, you look at you know Trayvon Blewett. You know those guys are all on like the wooden watch list or whatever it is. The, you know for National Player of the Year. I mean, you, there's some tremendous players in our league. And like I said, the coaching's very good. You know from top to bottom, there's no there's no easy games. <laughs> like at DePaul, you know DePaul's right. There's current. You know they finished last in our league in the league standings. 
but they got talent. You know, Max Truce is a heck of a player. He can play almost anywhere in the country. Um, you know, so you got to be on your A game every single night. And, you know, for us, you know, kind of towards the end of the year, you know, it, it was, you know, we were going to get everybody's best shot. We're going to get Georgetown's best shot. We're going to get Paul's best shot. And, and that, that, that's a huge responsibility that comes with that. Now, one of the things I think that made you guys so good this year has been the development of especially Najee Marshall, the freshman from um, Atlantic City, I believe he's from. But he's you know kind of that wing. He, he's your prototypical wing. He's got good size. He, he looks to beat you off the bounce, but he's starting to shoot the ball a little bit better as the season goes on, hitting some corner threes. What has been kind of – is there something that kind of clicked for it? Is there just going from, okay, adapting to college basketball, you know, 10, 15 games into now – Oh wait, I can I can compete at this level and and play pretty pretty damn well. Is it something that just yeah. clicked with him, or, or was or did you see something in y'all in practice or a game where it said, okay, here it comes? You know, Najee, he, he's a super talented kid, and he's not even scratching the surface how good he could be. And but he is starting to take pride in each rep um, in practice. It starts in practice, you know, when we first started practicing and doing workouts even last summer. Um, you know, he he didn't take pride in the little things and the details of each one. Um, you know, and now he's, he's taken a lot more pride in that. Um, and his footwork and his ball handling and each shot, you know, his footwork on his jump shot. Um, you know, and I think he's starting to see how that will carry over to the games. Um, you know, he slowed down a little bit as all freshmen do. I think they're, they're going a million miles an hour. Um, you know, the accountability, um, uh, the coaching aspect is, is a lot higher for those guys, you know, to our system defensively and offensively than it probably was in high school or AAU. Um, you know, just so the game's starting to slow down a little bit for him. He's getting more comfortable um, on the floor. Um, you know, he's starting to see plays, starting to see where he can kind of fit in. It's, it's like I told him early on in the season, I was like, dude, you don't have to um, do too much. You, know, you got Trayvon Blewett, J.P. Makira, uh, you know, you got – we got a lot of other guys, Quentin Gooden, we got Sean O'Meara, we got Cam Canty. Keep the game simple, and then you'll start to, you know, get your groove and get a little bit of rhythm. You'll start to see where you can make plays. And I think those plays are becoming uh, more and more frequent for Najee. Um, you know, he has a unique ability on the defensive end. I think he can guard any position um, at the collegiate level. And uh, he rebounds the ball so well. He has a huge, another, di- di- you know, dimension to our break. Because he can rebound and push, and he advances it well. And, and he, he makes he makes really good decisions in transition. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think his future is extremely bright. Really excited about him. Now, one of the things that I've I've talked about uh, kind of extensively about you guys is the fact that you have a lot of roster versatility um, with how you have the three different bigs and who and Cantor, Omara, and Jones who all bring us something a little bit different. You have a bunch of wings and some bigger guards. Is that kind of the way that you almost have to build a, a, a team now in the sense of you need that roster versatility and uh, just to, uh, like you said, compete at the national level of, okay, well, if team wants to go small, we can match. If you want to go big, we can match. Is that, is that the way the game's going, or is, is it a, a concerned effort on your guys' part? It, it is. You know, like when we first got into the Big East, um, you know, Villanova had that. And they had all these big guards. Darren Hillier was 6'5". You know, Archie Diacono was 6'3", 6'3". Um, I, I was like, when I first saw him in person, I couldn't believe how just versatile their whole lineup was. Chris Jenkins, Josh Hart. I was like, man, I got all these like multi-positional guys that can do a lot of things. And, and we necessarily didn't have that when we first went to the Big East. 
Um, you know, so we had more of what we'd call a traditional four-man. You know, we had Jalen Reynolds, who was 6'9", 240 pounds, and we had Matt Steinbrook, who was 6'10". We were just a little bit slower. We didn't have the versatility that a team like Villanova had, and we felt like, again, Villanova had the blueprint a little bit, so we started to recruit more like-sized guys, you know, bigger size, you know, like Clinton Gooden, six, almost 6'4". Six you know, Paul Scruggs is a point. He's on. He's six three with a six ten, six eleven wingspan. You know, Najee Marshall's six foot seven. You know, can guard any position. And I think that allows us to switch a little bit more on the defensive end. And then also, uh, offensively, you know, we like to play in more of a four out one in um, alignment, which with great spacing on the floor. Um, and I, so we definitely recruit to that. That's something that we're looking for. The guys that can shoot, handle, pass on the offensive end, and guys that can obviously move their feet on the defensive end, which are all at a premium to do, do it on both ends. Now, obviously, you're getting ready for the Big East tournament, the NCAA tournament. How do, tough is it to switch as a coaching mindset from regular season play with the breaks to now, you know, game every other day or game every day in the sense of the Big East tournament? Is it just now second nature because you guys are used to it, or is there really a time where you have to go, okay, we have to adjust how we're how our rotations go, how planning is going? You know, our, our rotations are going to stay the same. You know, we're going to play nine deep, and we think that's our advantage. You know, we're going to try to wear the opponents down with our pressure, with our offensive rebounding, with our pace of play on offense. You know, we think that we have as good of a nine as anybody in the entire country. And that's why we continue to play nine throughout the whole year. Um, you know, how we practice, you know, practice, you know, our practices obviously get a little bit shorter and shorter as, as you get further on into the year. Um, you know, a lot of times we're going about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes a, you know, a day right now. But we're going to compete. We're going to go hard, you know. But we also are very, uh, you know, Chris does a really good job of, of putting himself in our guys' shoes because we want them to be mentally and physically as fresh as possible here towards the end of the year. Because these, these are the moments that everybody's going to remember. And what our season's really honestly going to get judged by is what we do in March. Um, you know, for our guys, and, you know, I think our, our staff mentality, is it's a new season. <laughs> you know, like we, 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 we check the boxes, hey, Big East regular champs, that was obviously one of our goals. We got that. But we want to be Big East tournament champions. You know, so it's a new season, new opportunities. Um, you know, but our mentality is not necessarily changing. We're just trying to get our guys refocused and, hey, let's accomplish the next goal. And then obviously the NCAA tournament, same thing. Um, you know, it, when you have back-to-back-to-back games, which we have here in the Big East tournament, you know, if we're fortunate enough to advance, you know, it's more about just us and not necessarily as much about the opponent. Um, because there are such quick turnarounds, obviously you're looking to say, hey, what's the strengths and weaknesses of your opponents? You know, what can you exploit? Um, but at the same time, you know, if we feel like if we can execute what we do, then we're going to get ourselves a great opportunity to win. So it's a lot more about us in March than necessarily our opponents. When Do you start scouting at all for trying to guess who your uh, opponent is at the NCAA, NCAA tournament level? Or are you, or, you know, you keeping a list of the 10, 12 names that – okay, here's who we think we might end up against and at least get a head starter. Is it literally selection Sunday night? All right, let's get into the scouting report. Yeah, we'll just go selection Sunday night. You know, and I've been on staff probably where it's been the opposite. You know, we've tried to guess, you know, try to figure out, right. you know, crack the code of what, who we're going to play. Um, you know, but we're, we're kind of one game at a time. You know, again, I, I, a huge goal of ours is, is to win the Big East tournament um, in New York. You know, we want to be playing in that championship game, giving ourselves – you know, 40 minutes, an opportunity to cut down some nets there. Um, again, you know, before the season starts, we have, you know, we have a list of goals with our guys, you know, that we set out um, to kind of give us a little bit of guidance throughout the year. And uh, so our, our guys are really excited about it. You know, we'll, we'll worry about the NCAA tournament, obviously, when uh, <laughs> Selection Sunday comes around. 
<laughs> All right, Travis, I'll let you get out of here. Appreciate it. Congrats on the Big East regular season title, and uh, good luck the rest of the way here. And now I welcome on Fran Fraschilla of ESPN. Fran, how are you doing? It's my time of year, Bobby. Of course, basketball season is 12 months for me, but this is really my time of year. I am so excited about uh you know, being in being in March and everything that goes with it. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. It seems like every time now you switch a you know you change a channel, you have multi screens, and it's coming down to a buzzer like we saw with Radford Liberty, or there's an upset like we've seen at almost every mid major conference tournament. It seems like it's you know you're <laughs> heading up to Detroit now to to the Horizon tournament. You know, the one seed there, Northern Kentucky, a heavy fra- favorite losing, and that's been a trend up there. Um, yep. For for these teams, and uh, you know, as as a coach is. And when you coached at the mid-major level, is it, it how weird is that feeling with a, a, a one-game scenario of, of just trying to get to the NCAA tournament? There is nothing like it. Uh, I did it at Manhattan College uh, and at New Mexico, which was probably not mid-major, but slightly above it back then. Right. Um, but, you know, specific to, like, my time at Manhattan College, where we had really good teams, um, we won it one year in my four we lost a championship in a double overtime great game another year. We were lucky enough to get an at-large bid that year. Um, but I can tell you, um, there is no greater pressure as a head coach in Division One than coaching in a mid-major uh, tournament and then championship game because everything rides, as you said, on one game. doesn't matter how dominant you've been in the regular season in your league. It doesn't matter how much work you put in since August. Um, your head explodes that weekend as a head coach because you realize um, bad game, one bad play, one turnover, one missed free throw, you know, pretty much can make or break your season. So I have enormous respect for these guys who are uh, coaching at this level. And quite frankly, when a guy like Mike Jones at Radford, who 99.9% of the people who follow college basketball would even know who he is, they don't. Uh, it's rewarding to see guys that you know have worked hard to move up the ladder, get a chance to coach in the NCAA tournament, because that's you know to this point, at least professionally, it's going to be the highlight of his life. As a coach in in these situations, is it mainly just trying to get the kids to to calm down? Because you're still talking about 18 to 22 year old kids. I mean, they know what the implications are. Is that half the battle? Just getting them to try to treat it like another game. It is, but there's no way to avoid the, you know, the 800-pound elephant in the room. Right. You know, no matter what you do, every one of these kids since they've been, since they were, you know, probably in in uh, middle school, they've been watching the NCAA tournament. They understand, you know, what March Madness is. They they get to know it a little bit better when they when they're high school players. And then of course when they get to college, especially. At the, at the low and mid-major level, they you can't help as a player know what's at stake. So no matter what you do as a coach to try to keep them calm, and no matter how well you prepare them for the inevitable one-game season, um, you know, it, it's a matter of that ball is in the air, and it's good coach, bad coach, good coach, bad coach. Right. If it goes in, everybody celebrates. If it doesn't go in, you know, you uh, you hang your head. And if you're lucky enough, like, you know, Florida Gulf Coast, for example, losing to, to Lipscomb, you're the regular season champ and you get an NIT bid. But I can tell you as someone who's been in the NIT as a head coach, no disrespect to the NIT, 
it's just not the same. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's still that, especially when you're the favorite where, you know, you expect the NCAA yes. to end up in the NIT. I could see that. Yeah, and that makes it worse, by the way. That makes it worse. Oh, I'm, I'm when sure. When you're the favorite and you're supposed to win and you don't, that makes it worse. <laughs> well, we'll transition to another league you're familiar with. That's the Big 12, which, you know, for my money, it's been the best best conference in America this year. And I think most people agree with that. You know, I think this tournament's as wide open as even as, as dominant Kansas is with how deep this conference is. Are they making a legit case for eight, nine teams in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think what's going to happen, and I, you know, um, I've said this all year, and I do believe this. You can argue that other conferences are better, maybe even at the top. Right. But I, I have never been a part of a conference in terms of covering one or even coaching in one. I've, I've asked some Hall of Fame coaches this in that Big 12 or potential Hall of Fame coaches. Have you ever been in a league with this much balance? And everybody to a man says, no. I mean, you're talking about Lon Kruger, who's been in the old Big 8, the Big 10, the SEC, Bob Huggins, who had great success in the Big East. You know, um, the, the balance from 1 to 10. And by the way, this is not a year that, believe it or not, Kansas is dominant because they just got smoked by 20-plus games yesterday on the road to a team that's playing in the 8-9 game. Yeah, that's true. In that's Oklahoma true. State. And, they, you know, it's the first time in 15 years of being in the Big 12 that Bill Self's ever been swept in the regular season. Think about that. Yeah, that's a more and ridiculous we're talking, that, I think that's a more ridiculous yeah, that's stat ridiculous. than their, their yeah. 12th streak. Yeah, and to tell you how, you know, again, because I've been studying up, this league is so balanced and strong that the 8-9 game this year, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, consists of two teams – that each have six top 25 wins and each team has four top 10 wins. And so that adds to the just ridiculousness of how balanced the league has been. So to answer your question that you asked me about how many teams, I think it's, well, seven's a lock. There's a possibility of eight and there's an outside possibility at nine, although that would be a real reach. Right Now, one of the, the, the funny things, I guess not funny, but the weird things is, you know, Oklahoma shows up in the top 16 reveal. You have Trey Young, you know, a, a lottery pick, uh, you know, a top 10 pick even. Uh, uh, I, I think, you know, one of the three favorites for National Player of the Year. Um, and they're in the opening round. How weird is that to say after where they were? And, and I just – I guess want you to talk a little bit about Trey Young and, you know, everyone's kind of yeah. saying, okay, who is the real Trey Young? Is it the one that we saw up until – you know, about five weeks ago, or is it the one that's kind of been since? Have teams kind of figured them out? Or is it just, um, you know, the Big 12? I, I mean, you're going through uh, the plethora of coaches and point guards there that it's just going to catch up to you at some point. Yeah, it, it's a good point, and it's a question I've been asking myself, like, for the last five weeks, Bobby. But let's go back to before the season. Remember, nobody had Oklahoma in their top 25. No. Um, and, he, and even the guys who ranked the high school guys, you know, I, I don't remember anybody, although Trey was ranked in the top 25, anybody saying, hey, this kid's going to dominate college basketball. So he kind of came out of nowhere, almost like a shooting star uh, in the sky, you know. And uh, and so what we saw the first maybe two-thirds of the season, we, we really haven't seen in a long time. I'm, as I recollect, uh, you know, my time at ESPN, maybe Kevin Durant comes to mind as to his greatness at the college level. 
So they were a major surprise in November, December, and then early January. And then it definitely shifted. And um, I don't know why it shifted, but I do have some thoughts. I, I did the game at West Virginia on January 6th. It was the first game where, where I felt like Trey Young was bullied. Uh, and not and not bullied in a negative way, but just you know physically manhandled on the court right. by that West Virginia team led by Javon Carter. Uh, Kansas State did something similar to him a few games later. Alabama threw a bunch of athletes out him, and uh, I think what happened was um, as he got frustrated and the tough shots he was taking because he was taking tough shots early in the year that were going in. As those shots stopped going in. And as his teammates, who made so many big shots early in the year, started to miss shots, I, I think it not only frustrated him, but the team lost its mojo. Um, and then when you couple that with the fact that they are not a good defensive team, it didn't matter if they were going to average 100 this year. They weren't a great defensive team. And finally, to your point about great coaches in this league, I always say scouting is cumulative. Uh, and by that I mean – Somebody does something to stop a great player or slow them down, and the next team tries to figure out whether they can do the same thing or just a scouting report, you know, to, to, to use what has worked on a player like Trey Young. And that's what happened. Each, each game uh, where you could, teams would, um, you know, trap him in pick and roll, switch out onto him, not give him any open looks. And it, it definitely caught up to Oklahoma to the point where they had become from a Cinderella and a darling of college basketball to a little bit of a, you know, almost like a what the heck happened type of team. And I can't, I gave you what I thought, but I'm not sure that's even correct. <laughs> Do you think for Oklahoma, it's more important for young to hit those tough shots or guys like, you know, Manic, James, McGusty, those type of guys to hit, you know, not every shot, but if they, you know, shoot the way they did, you know, 40% or whatever it was from three, uh, to start the year, is that more important because of how well Young passes the ball and, and finds the, you know, when he draws attention, or, or is it Young hitting the tough shots that's more important for him? It's a great question, and again, um, you know, they're almost, I wouldn't even say it's a chicken and egg. I'd say it's the chicken or egg theory. I'd say it's a chicken and the egg because right. while he was stopping, while he was starting to really struggle making shots, his teammates were doing the same, and I did a Baylor game last Tuesday where he threw about seven or eight incredible passes in the first five minutes. And by the way, in front of about 20 NBA scouts. And you know what? The first two went in, and the next six or seven, guys who can make shots just weren't making them. And then it, you could tell the frustration on his face. Uh, not that he was angry with his teammates, but just because, like, hey, you know, I'm about the numbers. I got to get my assists. And, um, you know, when the ball stopped going in for his teammates, I think it really caused him to struggle and press individually. And um, but the but the crazy thing about it is, this kid is as good a passer as Lonzo Ball was a year ago. I mean, if anything, what's happened out of this year is that he can still dominate a game even when the shots are not going down. Um, but obviously, it takes his teammates to make those shots. He's throwing passes that I think are going to be easy baskets at the next level. Right. And, um, but the frustration is there. Now, switching along that, one of the, you know, I, I mentioned earlier the, the plethora of guards. Obviously, one of them who might be the best one in the, the conference is Devontae uh, Graham down at Kansas. 
this season, is this one of the best point guard seasons you've seen from a Kansas guard, which is kind of crazy to say, you know, year after Frank Mason wins National Player of the Year. But, you know, I think when you look at the, the overall talent level of this team versus some other teams and everything like that, is, is Grant, does Graham have arguably one of the best seasons a, a point guard has had under self at Kansas? Yeah, there's no question about it. In fact, that if you really think about last year and Frank Mason was brilliant, um, he had a sidekick that he could, you know, even even when he was out on the court, he could take what I call a mental health break um, because he had Devontae Graham with him in the backcourt. You know, I often I, I often joke with people like, would you fly, uh, you know, transatlantic if you knew there was only one pilot in the in the cockpit? Right. And you know, most people would say absolutely not. Well, you know, this year, last year, Bill Self's plane had two pilots. Uh, this year, they've only got one. And so, in some years, Devontae Graham. It may have actually had a, even a better season than Frank had a year ago, and um, he's he he's playing Iron Man minutes. He makes big shots. He makes big late game shots. He's an excellent defender. He's a great distributor. So I, I would say, coming off of the year that Frank had, that when we talk about great point guards, really even in Kansas history, you know Kirk Heinrich, Jacques Vaughn, Kevin Pritchard, uh, you know. Aaron Miles, um, and I'm that, sure. That crew. Yeah, you know, Aaron Miles, guys like that, and go on and on. You know, uh, Sharon Collins, certainly. Uh, you put Devontae in there, you have to. Yeah. And uh, especially because of the way he's done it, coming in as an unheralded player and now, you know, becoming really the face of Kansas basketball this year. Yeah, what makes him so good this year from the, the time that you've seen him in person? I, I, I guess, yep. I mean, I, I, I think everybody knows who he is, but. Uh, you know, when you see this fact that he's playing 38 to 40 minutes and, and he is your lead ball defender and, and, you know, he gets up in guys' shorts. It's not like they're sitting in a zone and avoiding fouls or anything right. like that. They, what makes him so good? Well, let's back up to a sophomore year because if you – I'm going to give you a couple – I'm going to give you a game to remember. You probably will, Bobby. They went to um, they went to Norman uh, and played the great Buddy Heel teams. Yep. And um, he not only guarded Buddy and slowed him down that day, but I think he had his career high 28. And this was his sophomore year. So quite honestly, going into his junior year and Frank's senior year, there was more buzz about Devontae than there was even about Frank. And it just so happened that Frank hits a big shot against Duke in the garden, gets off to a monumental start. And Devontae, to his credit, almost took a backseat to Frank's greatness. And so I think what you saw this year is that, you know, now that Frank's gone, he's kind of back to where we thought he might be coming off of his sophomore year. So, you know, he's been a really good player since about the middle of his sophomore year uh, to where he is now. But we didn't see it as much last year. And he'll admit to you that he didn't have to press as much, you know, offensively uh, and get things more things done because he did have, you know, a great backcourt mate with him in Frank Mason. Can Kansas truly compete for a national title with the, the short post bench that they have where, you know, it's Azubuki and Whitefoot stealing some minutes. And, you know, I, I don't know what to expect with the uh, Silvio Sousa going forward. You know, yep. do, you, do you think they can truly compete for a national title um, in the, the way the NCAA tournament's played? Obviously, it's a little different than regular season. Can they compete for a national yeah. title the way they are? Well, I say no, which is why they probably will. Okay. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that. Um, because if you think about the, you know, they've been to seven sweet, uh, they've been to they really people talk about bill self in the postseason. Well, the guy's got a national championship in seven elite eights. Right. 
and there have been some teams that we thought definitely could win it all. And then they, for whatever reason, disappointed. A couple of years, they didn't get out of the opening round, as, as you remember. But um, I don't think they have the depth. They certainly don't have the depth, and they certainly don't play the bully ball they did. But, hey, given the fact that this is, a, in my mind, a wide-open tournament coming up with, you know, I, I guess you could call Virginia a great team because of what they've accomplished. I don't think that there is a great team in college basketball. So, you know, I think no – but it wouldn't shock me if they get to the final four. I just don't think in the big 12 this year, there is a team that can get to the final four. But on the other hand, I think there's 25 to 30 teams in the country that could actually do it. Um, And Texas tech and potentially West Virginia could be two more. I just don't, I just don't think it's going to happen because I've seen the rigors of the big 12 this year and how everybody's flaws have been exposed. Now, this is going to be a a very open-ended question because I think it's the only way to pose it. What the heck is West Virginia? Because sometimes they look like they can beat anybody in the country, and then other times they, you know, lose by 20 and look like they don't know how to put the ball in the hoop. You know, what what is this team? What what do you make of this team? Well, it's it's another great question. And people who, you know, who don't – like, I I mean, obviously I'm locked into the league, so – I, I see stuff happen, you know. I've seen it. I've seen a lot of things happen over the, over the course of time. So let's go back to Gray, uh, Let's go back to Javon Carter and Daxter Miles' freshman year. Bob Huggins Institute's Press Virginia. It's an incredible defense. They turn the ball over. They turn people over like crazy. But people forget on that team they not only had Jawan Staten and Gary Brown back, and these two precocious freshmen, but they also signed two terrific JUCO. Uh, point guards, uh, Jay Sean Page and Tariq Phillip. Yep. So now you had six guys playing at the three perimeter spots, playing junkyard dog defense that turns into press Virginia. Well, if you look at this team this year, they've got great, uh, well, at least not great, I want to say great, but really good size and, and production up front in Kanate and Kanate and at times Lamont West. But they really don't have any depth in the backcourt outside of James Bolden, the sophomore, who's been very good off the bench. So they're not in a press Virginia mode as much as they were, say, the first two or three years uh, that Javon uh, Carter and, and Dax Miles were in the program. So it's a different kind of defense, and not they're not as intense. Those guys are playing way more minutes, and, and, and I think that it, it affects them offensively in terms of making shots. So you're exactly right about who are they because nobody really knows. We just know on some nights they look like world beaters and other nights when they're not making shots. I mean, they can go out. They can easily go out in the first round if they're not making shots. And I'm not talking about the first round of the Big 12. They can get knocked out early in the, in the NCAA tournament if they're not making shots. But it's not the same defense that we've been accustomed to the last, you know, the last three years prior to this season. Yeah, you mentioned defense. I think this is one of the – more intriguing, you know, bar arguments of sorts of when you look at Conaty, Carter, and Bamba. To you, who's the best defender out of that group in the conference? Well, that's a good question, and I'm going to give it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go age before beauty and, and give it to Javon Carter because he's done it. And uh, also, you know, we can make the argument of how important rim protectors are, but Javon Carter consistently this year, and as I mentioned, in a year where they don't have the depth of great defenders they've had. He is a big-time disruptor. And um, Kanade's shot blocking has been a revelation, and I think he's going to be the 
the odds on favorite to be the defensive player of the year you know, going forward. But uh, I think I still think Javon has got the quickest hands in college basketball. He steals it without fouling. Um, he plays with great energy. His energy does rub off on his teammates. Um, so I would, you know, I would, I would probably give it to Carter, but I'm also going to give it to the older guy just because he's done it before. Right. I want to go talk about a team that I think, you know, we hear about surprises all year when you look at Ohio state and Auburn and Tennessee and, and one of those teams is Texas Tech, who you know had a chance to to win the Big 12, and then uh, unfortunately, you know, Keenan Evans battled injury, and I think that played a large part of it down the stretch, and you know, along with Kansas, kind of turning it on down the stretch. But what Chris Beard has done there, I think, is remarkable in the short amount of time, you know, and and finding guys like Zaire Smith and Jared Culver, and how what does Beard do that makes him special? I think is it his defense and the ability to switch from you know pack line to to press and trap, or is there something different that he does that just really separates him to being this great coach? Well, that's it, uh, a, you know, a good question, and he was voted coach of the year. Let's take the whole, let's take the whole program. Tubby Smith left him really good seniors, and yep. those kids from day one have bought in. And Chris has acknowledged, like, like a, Chris, Chris is like a stepfather, you know what I mean, in a marriage, you know, a second marriage. He's the He's a stepfather that embraces the kids that he married into the family. Does that make sense? Yep. And he, he's done that. And those, those seniors love him. Then he's gotten out and gone to some junior college guys that have, you know, filled in in key spots, a couple transfers. And then these two freshmen, um, they're both playing in the NBA. There's no doubt in my mind that if they keep working, they're going to play in the NBA someday. And, but to answer your question about why they've been successful, and remember this, this recent four-game losing streak in March part is because of injuries. It's like they didn't get worse. They just played without, you know, at times, three starters. But they have a great culture in, in their program. And that culture does not just resonate with the defense. It, re- it resonates with their ball movement, their offense. It resonates with their work ethic. It resonates with their guys coming off the bench and their team chemistry. And I've seen it close up. And, you know, the first time I saw it a year ago, I actually thought it was a little phony. Um, almost like they were putting on a show for, for the ESPN guy that was at practice. Right. And absolutely, the more I watch it, it's real. And um, give you an example, I saw them play Seton Hall in the Garden in November, and they were equal as good, equally as good as Seton Hall. It was really a Seton Hall home game. And I was one seat away from the end of their bench, and their bench was so into that game that it was really impressive. And um, I knew then watching them in a game where I felt like they didn't really get the benefit of the Big East whistles because that's who did the game. Um, I said, this team's going to be special because they do have – they had two freshmen that were second and third leading scorers on the team at the time with a group that had five or six seniors coming back, and they, and they were embraced by the upperclassmen. So long story short, the culture's phenomenal, the depth is great, and Chris has proven that he is a very, very good coach. And Keenan Evans, I think, has been one of those players that you mentioned bought in, buying into a system. I, you know, there might not be a player in the country that's bought into a system more than Keenan Evans over the last year and a half, two years. What, you know, is he good enough to be the, you know, Kemba Walker of, of this year's tournament where they can get to a Final Four and, and, and championship game with, you know, his, his, him as a star and, you know, you have the the sidekicks and the role players that, that fit, fit the pieces. Yeah. But is he is he good enough to, to lead them to that far? I don't know, but I know that it, his health matters because um, he, the toe 
that from what I've been told by the coaching staff, the toe's not going to get any better, yet he went out and had 20, I don't know, 22 in the second half yesterday, and he's done that all year. So it's possible. But what I love about him and what I love about this league and what I love about guys like Javon Carter and Devontae Graham and Keenan Evans this particular year is that, by and large, this team, this league does not get one and done. Um, yes, Kansas gets a few. Texas has had Jared Allen and Bamba and other guys. And this year they've got at Oklahoma, Trey Young. But the vast majority of the guys in this league that have success get better every year. And they come out of nowhere. And Mason a year ago, and this year, you know, the guys we talked about. And to Keenan's credit, not only has he bought into coaching, but he's put time in. And, you know, when healthy, he is a he is one of you know the great point guards in the country, and more impressively, Bobby, is that he's he like Devontae Graham. He's a big, big shot maker and a and a a big time late game player. So now, as we head to the Big Twelve tournament in Kansas City, what are you expecting? You do you think it's going to be you know haywire, and we could see one of these teams that are playing in the the opening round make a run to the the title game, or do you think maybe the uh, you know, the top three teams kind of make a run, and, and those are the two teams in the title game. Well, you know, I told you earlier that um, the guys playing in the 8-9 game have knocked off six top 25 teams, so who knows, right? Right. Um, you know, Oklahoma would have to improve their defense. Um, but to answer your question, I think that this tournament could be just as wild and woolly as the regular season was. And the regular season, as we know now, looking back, you know, it's the only league in the country at the power. Well, I think it's the only league in the country that has nine, not, you know, 90% of its league over 500 overall. Right. And, you know, the eight and 10 teams certainly are really good teams. They just happen to be in a league where, you know, um, it's been so balanced. So I expect going to Kansas City. Here's what I, I know it's cliche, but I'm going to expect the unexpected. I, I do think some crazy stuff can happen. And uh, the fun part is that, we, you know, I'll get to see it close up starting on thir- on Wednesday night. Yeah, I, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be one of those, you know, like you said, who knows what's going to happen just because of how balanced this team is or this conference is. But, Brent, I'll let you get out of that. I know you're a busy man right now, so I appreciate you taking some time and uh, safe travels as you bounce from tournament to tournament here this week. Happy to do it. I'm in the uh, I'm in the DFW airport right, right now, and I'm getting ready to board, Bobby. It's a pleasure talking to you. All right, have a good one.